0: You're listening to a podcast from Jubilee Church, Farnham. To find out more, visit www.jubilee.church. I was really stirred by a song. I've been preparing for this week anyway, and I, I just... There was a song that we sung, and it really just made so many connections with what I want to bring today as, as we look, at, look again uh, at the next word together. And so I just want to use the song, really, as an intro for us, as a way for us to... Uh, kind of connect in with what God is doing in his story um, through the look again today as we look at the Great Commission. This song we actually sung at the commission conference, those that were there. Um, And so I'm just going to read through the words. It says, I was lost in shame, couldn't get past my blame until he called my name. I'm so glad he changed me. See, I'm a new creation in Christ the old has gone there is new life there's a new name written down in glory and it's mine yes it's mine i've met the author of my story and he's mine yes he's mine i am who i am because the i am tells me who i am you know there's three things that have really wrestled with really challenged me as I've, as I've been singing this, um, I'm going to share two of them to start, and then I'll drop one in as we go through the, the word together. The first one is I really struggle with the word mine. Like, does anyone else find it difficult? I feel like it's the word that like, your parents or, or my parents kind of try to unteach. You know, like the first thing that you're in a like, I don't know, nursery or something, and you see something, and you go, oh, it's mine. It's like, oh, we need to unteach ourselves of that. But I thought, guys, but isn't it also a measure of the lavish grace that God's given us? That he shows us his mercy and his grace. Aren't we changed? From enslaved to free. From broken to whole. From orphan to adopted. From abandoned son to a son or daughter of a living God. Maybe like me, you need to dig into a deeper understanding of that love that God has given us so lavishly and that is, is, a, is a challenge to sing. And next time we sing it, maybe like me, you'll feel, oh, can I sing that with my whole heart? That he's mine. The second thing that's really challenged me about this song when we sung it is it says, I've met the maker or the author of my story. story? Whose story? My story. Amen? Isn't it wonderful? That's how we start off, isn't it? God reaches in and he meets us where we're at. He connects with us personally. He shapes us. He creates a personal story through his work, through us. God breaks in and he meets us. Yet the great news is he doesn't leave it there, does he? That there is a bigger story. He opens our view to a better view, to his story. So are you ready to look again today at the bigger story as we look afresh uh, together at the great at the uh, Great Commission? Now the Great Commission we kind of label it that it was written uh, when the NIV translation came along. They put that in as a subtitle. It's not it's not in the actual text. We call it the Great Commission. And I thought, God, wouldn't it be great today if we dug in a bit deeper? Why don't we get under the subtitle? Why don't we try and think about what what is then the story that God's connecting us into that helps us to be both connected through God's story and us, right? Uh, the My story and his story. right? That's what I want to try to do today. But I want us to start in realizing that we don't just see his story. First, as that song so beautifully put for me last week and challenged me, it's like, oh no, it starts with my story, of what God's done through his work in me. So I'm going to pray and then let's read the scripture together. Lord, we want to offer our our time together, Lord, and say, would you have your way through the power of your word this morning, Lord? Would you soften our hearts? Lord, would you make us receptive to your work, to your presence with us as we read and learn together? Amen. So let's have a look at the passage. We'll we'll look at the little bit we had before that wasn't in the um, verse that was shared earlier. So it says, should we read it together? But then the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated to them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to follow all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You know, the context of this story, this has come just after Jesus' death. Right, this is in the in the same chapter that we hear about his resurrection. And just to think about the time frame here, I want to just you put your mind back to the beginning of COVID. Like how long ago does that feel? Like That was about the same time in context to when Jesus started his ministry to them when he came and shared this great commission. I was like, wow, it's not that long, is it? And what, what I think is important for us to, to think through is even... Paul, at this point, hadn't heard the gospel and responded to the gospel. All those letters that we read about later and that we, un- we sort of get our understanding about church from, you know, those things hadn't happened yet. Now, we have to keep focused here. Jesus is talking to the disciples. And he told them in the earlier chapter in, in Matthew 27 uh, to, go, to go ahead, that he was going to meet them in Galilee. And then an angel actually turned and met with Mary and Mary Magdalene. And the angel also gave the same message to them. And said, go tell these disciples, go ahead to Galilee. I thought, oh, isn't it good that the disciples also had to hear things twice? Because I need to hear things twice sometimes, don't you? Can you imagine, like, they get this request to go ahead. So Jesus actually told them before he died. Do you think they must have been thinking, well, when do we go? I mean, that, Galilee was like from walking from here to Birmingham. Like, I mean, you couldn't just turn up, right? You couldn't just drive up on the day. It's like, oh, well, when? What day are we supposed to leave? Oh, it, was, it definitely was Galilee, he said, wasn't it? Like, can you imagine? And then they're thinking, well, Jesus has gone to heaven now. What? What? What do we do? Like, all the things that we've done with him, we've gone with him, we've gone ahead of him. What is it now? We're here to do? But, you know, the reality is that Jesus has already been telling the disciples what to do. And so I just want us to look back a little bit. I mean, obviously, we know they'd seen miracles. He traveled with them. He washed their feet. He shared the Last Supper with them. But also, he kind of commissioned them twice already. So I'd like to just look back at the two ways in, or two times in which he's commissioned them. One when he sends out the 12 and one when he sends out the 72. So I'm going to read to you from from Mark chapter six. It says, calling the 12 to him, he began to send them out two by two and he gave them authority over impure spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place is not welcome to you, Or listening to you. Leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. When they went out and preached that people should repent, they drove out many demons, anointed many sick people with oil, and healed them. And it also says of the same sending of the twelve in Matthew 10 These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions Do not go among the Gentiles or any other towns of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay at their house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. The first commission was to the lost sheep and those that were nearby. Jesus wasn't waiting for the great commission to power the disciples, was he? Raising the dead? This was like the local commission. Let's call it the local commission. It doesn't have a subtitle, just to confirm. I'm adding that one. Uh, But I think it's just a helpful way for us to think of it. Now I want to move to the next, the the sending of the 72. And we'll look at Luke chapter uh, 10, verses 1 to 11. It says, after this, the Lord appointed 72. After uh, others and sent them ahead two by two of him to every town and place he was about to go. He told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. After the Lord of the harvest, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, let your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. See, now, Jesus, now they're going ahead of Jesus. They're going to the place that, places that he's going to go. And he's asking them to pray for more workers. He's saying, you're not even enough. I need more. Go seek workers that can work with you. The harvest is plentiful. Isn't it wonderful when it says they return with joy? Like I kind of wonder, wow, I wonder what testimonies they heard. Like what, you know, people saying, I've met the maker of my story. He did. Wouldn't it be wonderful to hear those? So again, I'm going to put a, a, a Neil's label on this and describe it as well, this feels like the regional commission. This is going ahead of Jesus where he is in the region. So now I want to come back to the Great Commission together. See, Jesus wasn't changing the plan, he was returning to continue his story of the gospel, his big story. The Third Commission was like a continuation, an expansion. First the lost sheep, then the local region, and now everywhere. No one was excluded. Go to all nations. Go to all. Can you imagine? I mean, the Great Commission feels a little (laughs) bit like an undersell. How would you have felt? All nations. So great that 2,000 years later... We're still on the same commission. But it's more than Jubilees Commission, isn't it? It's more than Commission's Commission, our sphere of churches. It's more than an evangelical commission or an angelical, well, i get my uh, denominations muddled up Methodist, uh, you know, a Catholic Commission. It's a commission that unites us, isn't it? It's a commission that God is, is empowering us on. Does anyone feel like they need a bigger vision? But one that's also personal. So as we look again, I want to pull three points out today. Uh, ways that we might be able to live out this great commission together. Are you ready? So first one is one we've, we've talked about before, haven't we, as a church, that the concept of, of confident humility. I think this fits really well here for us as we look at the great commission. You know, doesn't it start with the confidence that I've met the maker of my story? Isn't that the confidence that we are in, that we know what God has done? The servant king reaching in, and we have a powerful testimony that is the confidence that we step forward in. I love it when it says, surely the kingdom of God has come near you. Isn't that great? It's like, reminds me of your kingdom come on earth as in heaven, through our hands and feet, amen? And in whose authority? All authority on heaven and earth was given to Jesus, of which he, he gives us this commission. We should also have confidence that the harvest is plentiful. There's plenty to reach. And that if someone who promotes peace is there, as it says, your peace will rest on them. If not, we'll return to you. Have confidence that God will lead us to those that have uh, a receptive heart to respond to the gospel. So confident but also, then we need to be humble. You know, with a message of power, of gospel, with a message of the righteousness that's been granted to us by grace, isn't there a risk that we could communicate a superiority? Do we have to be careful that even in our local church we think we have a better commission? It's much bigger, isn't it? To all nations, go. Some are called to a country. Some may be called to a people group. Some to a school. Some to a, a, people in your workplace, the people that you meet at the school gate. Isn't it humbling to be part of a much bigger story? In Mark 6, 8, it says, take nothing for the journey Except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. I thought, God, isn't isn't that a challenge? Isn't it so often that we think, oh, we need to take something. If we go and reach and bring the word to others, that we have to take something. And yet the example here is actually the disciples going and being dependent on others. Oh, could I stay at your house? That's a very different perspective, isn't it? But, you know, it really challenged me, isn't it then? The message that we hear in the first two commissionings, if we call them that. Is to be present with others and to go where they are. Maybe not projecting our culture, the things we carry, the possessions we have. But in revealing God's presence as we go. Meeting with people in the same way Jesus does if you I, I just encourage you if you feel challenged by that go look at this story with the woman in the well and what Jesus says first in Matthew 10 also says whatever town or village you enter search there for some worthy person and stay at their house until you leave now i'm not suggesting uh, that out of today you have to go and uh, stay at people's houses indefinitely Although I think I was challenged actually when uh, Toby has shared a bit of the experience of some of his family. Uh, there is, seems to be much more, uh, uh, so African culture that people may just come and visit and stay un- unprompted. But doesn't it challenge in that sentence to search for some worthy person? I wonder what we think of when we come to bring, we feel we need to bring the gospel and we say, Who, Lord, who's worthy? Who what does it mean there? How do we be careful not to put our lens on that? I think the challenge here is that worthy is really someone who responds to the message of the gospel. Is there an openness? Is there a, 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 um, a seeking that they bring? It's dependent on where the other person is, isn't it, when we bring the gospel, rather than our super skills. Isn't that relieving, Releasing. If someone there is a, who promotes peace, your peace will rest on them. So we need to be confident and we need to be humble. The next theme is that it's also for change. Isn't it? Is that what the gospel brings? And we want the gospel to bring conversion for people's eyes to see the love of God and what he has done for them. For them to meet him, to be repentant and to seek baptism. Isn't it exciting when someone shares their testimony about their journey their personal journey to meeting meeting God and him breaking in and we should expect that shouldn't we when we bring the gospel the gospel has the power to change lives but i think the for change here is more than for the person that may receive the gospel for the first time you know jesus was coming back to give the great commission even though he'd already given them two commissions and they'd already been out Casting out demons, raising people from the dead. And yet Jesus was still teaching them. So this is the third point that I was challenged by from the song last week. There's a line that says, I'm so glad he changed me. And I sing that. And then I, when I was singing it, I was thinking, oh Lord, but you're still changing me, aren't you? I still need you to keep changing me. And isn't that the beauty of the gospel, that there is salvation when we receive and acknowledge Jesus as king over our lives. But then there is also a work of his grace in carrying us forward to be more like him. And the song that that we sung last week is called New Name Written Down in Glory. It's deeper, if if you go further in Luke 10, that... um, Gives the first commission, if you like. They, it goes on to say, rejoice that your names are written in heaven. But I think this this title of this song is getting at something deeper. Not just that our names are written down in heaven, but that there is a new name. That God is calling us to grow in a new identity. And I encourage you, another scripture to write down, if you want to press in this week, Revelation 2.17. Just dig in and see what God is doing in calling us... In a new name. So it's a reminder. That we're not just changing. In terms of those that bring the, we bring the gospel to. That may receive it for the first time. But God is changing us still. Amen. Okay. Third point. It's also through the Trinity. You know this is a really special Passage when we see Jesus directly referring to the Trinity, baptizing in all three and yet one name. This was the power that was needed to reach the nations, that took it from a regional uh, reaching out with the gospel to of all nations. As it says in Acts 1 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That was the power to reach the nations. Three in one. You know there isn't a secret formula for us to live out of the commission. But there are many expressions, aren't there? Amen. But we must go with a confident humility, seeking those who promote peace. We must be prepared to continue to change as followers of Jesus, whilst also expecting that Jesus is going to change others. And we must remember that we're sent in one name Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I've got one last story that I want to share with you. Um, this actually happened in, in work this week um, on Friday. Uh, our, our, I work in our, sort of our technology area of our company, and we all meet together once a month and there 's this kind of diversity, inclusion, and equity theme that provide uh, this week was providing a meeting focused on invisible disabilities and there 's about seventy people invited, about half people were there, most people were on the phone, few in a meeting room and uh, you know just sharing that for, for disabilities like 70 or 80% are invisible you know we might see those people you know and, and be aware of those where there's a yes you know, it's, it's visible and there were two people that shared their their story there are people that work in the team with me we this team we kind of work in the same kind of you know we work with the same things but we don't actually work together we all work with like different different uh, projects so, you know, it's a funny relationship. We kind of know each other, but don't know each other. And yet two people shared their story. One person shared about a stroke he'd had seven years ago, losing half his vision, and just the, the impact that had on him. I mean, obviously, practically, but emotionally. And I even, he got back a lot of his sight now, but still, eight years on, he still he was still processing it. It was quite emotional what he shared. Another lady, I oh, just... A, a lovely lady she's probably like mid-twenties really young for me um <laughs> and uh she she was at university in her first year and she had a she had a fit for eight minutes in a car everyone uh, was with a with a uh sort of boyfriend at the time and just the what what is this what just not knowing you know straight into hospital obviously then lots of tests went into her second year of university Kept having fits during the second year of university. Still trying to get you know diagnosis and st- stability, and then to, um, was diagnosed with epilepsy. And now you know she was obviously at, at working for us at the, um, at the company I'm at, and and been sort of clear of a of a fit for three years. But still, those things she was dealing with, the anxiety, like oh, what what happens if, Oh, can I talk about this in the, in the in my workplace? I got. As, as they opened up and shared their testimonies, then other people would put their hand up. You could like, put your hand up in the meeting. Someone else would come on and say, oh, thank you for sharing that. You know, I've—I you know, this guy was in his 50s, said, I've suffered with epilepsy. I've never been in a place where I felt I could share that. Like, what a release you've given me. He said, I, I feel like I probably haven't really processed it myself. You've helped me to process it. You know what? He said, I'm going to have to take, as soon as I get off his call, I'm going to go find my wife. I'm going to give her a hug. Then another person came forward. who would had a, a spina bifida that was a mild form. And so people, he didn't think, you know, people don't often know, but it was impacting him. Other people sharing about color blindness. Like he said, it might seem so simple, but I'm sitting in a meeting. And I look at a graph and I say, I don't know what you're telling me. I can't see it. And people just open up. You know, I've never been in a work meeting where there have been so many people crying. I, didn't, I mean, and these people, we don't really work together a lot. Such a release that people felt, being heard, being seen, being understood, and empathy, seeking of healing. God, I want to be more considerate of those that may... Having invisible disabilities, don't you. That was one other story. Have I got time? I haven't got time. I have to come, you have to come back. There's another one that's really good. But oh, it just really caught me, and I thought, wow. Isn't it like that with spirituality and faith? That sometimes that can be visible, sometimes it can be invisible. Maybe we need to be vulnerable, like those people were in that meeting, and sharing their testimony. Maybe, they, maybe if we open up, others may open up as well about their spiritual journey. So we don't go into the conversation saying we have all the answers. We go in saying, God, the Lord, He's the author of my story, He's met me. I'm still changing. But he's changed me. Amen? Isn't that the great commission that God calls us on? I just want to pray as we finish. Maybe this morning you already know you you can say, yes, Lord, you're the author of my story. I just want you to spend a minute. Just thank God for that. Just, just as I continue talking, just share your appreciation, acknowledge, say thank you, Lord, for what you've done in revealing your goodness to me. If you haven't, if you haven't said, Lord, thank you that you changed me, there's an opportunity for you to do that, for you to respond. You can do that this morning. I'm going to help you with a prayer quickly. You can, if you don't feel comfortable to pray, come up and speak to me. I'd love to talk to you. But you can say, Lord, thank you that you died on the cross, Lord. You are the one who brings freedom. And a loving Father, I want to look to you and declare, Lord, I know I have done wrong. But Lord, I want to receive you and the power of your gospel in my life. Come and change my heart. Now, I want you to pray for the changing. I want you to think about what's God carrying on and working in you. I just feel like it was so encouraging, Sean's word this morning about peace. That's not to be discouraged if we share the gospel and there is not a response there's a big bigger gospel and many people the harvest is plentiful amen amen, amen.